0: And welcome to the last episode of another fine mess. um don't worry it's just for the end of the year. We will be back in January um I am Victoria Thiele, CLO reporter at Global Capital and I'm here with George Smith who covers the rest of Euro- Euro- <clears throat> who covers the rest of European securitization hi George
1: Hello Victoria you you had me worried there I thought that Tom had put the plug uh
0: I know I know we do like keeping our listeners on their toes and, but no no <laughs> rest assured we will be there our our usual host Tom Lemon is on leave as we record this, but we can pay him a little Christmas tribute by talking about golf in his absence. I thought that would be nice. I'm in Germany at the moment, so I wasn't there to witness it. But I hear that you absolutely obliterated the entire editorial team in some rounds of some sort of crazy mini golf at the GC Christmas party this week, George.
1: <laughs> it definitely was crazy. I'm the new golfing authority of another fine mess. Um, you know Deep Tom. Dry, driving, the golf buggy, the, the golf ball, uh, any any questions on any golfing matters, you know, come. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I was I was fortunate in the in my success, uh, because the scoring system was, was crazy as you as you say. So <laughs> I got a lot of compound points very quickly.
0: Uh, don't play it down George Um, (laughs) I'm I'm sure you deserve that victory very well Um, and yes we will I'll I'll give everybody your email address later in case they need to get in touch with any urgent golf queries but um, while you were sort of coming to terms with your new identity um, you also found time to write a story about ESG issuance in RMBS this week why did you do that
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we had a, a Bank of America Global Research report at the start of the week, which basically found very minimal greeniums in RMBs, looking at secondary spreads. Um, you know, I think also if you look at primary, just um, over the years, very hard to kind of pick out the precise effect of any kind of greenium. Um, and I was just interested to speak to issuers and and find out. Kind of why they do their deals if they're not getting paid for it, because obviously there's a lot of e s g disclosures and things um and just see whether they were kind of expecting to get a greenium at some point in the future or um like how how that even played into their thinking at all
0: and and what did they say do 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 they hope for greeniums
1: uh, I mean I think they wouldn't mind if they got them um but <laughs> It generally wasn't why they said they did it. Um, they, I think it fits into all of these businesses' strategies to have a, a kind of funding for their green assets directly. I think, I mean, you know, they were saying like ING just set up their Green Lion program. They were saying, well, we we, we were setting up a new program and we just wanted it to be green. Like, I I don't think any, any of them were particularly in any way like tracking the Greenium or like trying to time their issuances so they got the most Greenium like it it just wasn't really a factor in, in why they were doing it although obviously if they did get if they did get a Greenium they would be uh, they would be happy
0: yeah I mean uh, I suppose we still have to find the investor who tells us that they would rather not have a little more money um, but <laughs> I mean but surely if there was a Greenium, more issuers would do ESG deals, right? Not just the ones where th- that it coincidentally aligns with what's going on in the company anyway.
1: Yeah, I think there was a sense that that probably is true. But there's still a lot of challenges and overcoming those challenges is probably more significant than any kind of Greenium unless it was fairly easy to do a deal. Um, you know, data availability is a very big one. Like in the UK, when I've spoken to UK mortgage lenders in the past, they say, you know, one problem we have is that the EPC can literally expire midway through the mortgage term. And so then what do you do? Like, is that still a green mortgage or not? Um, uh, You know, if your EPC lasts 10 years and your mortgage lasts 25 years, it's not ideal. Um, And then, I mean, there's, there's other problems as well. There's all the disclosures that come with it. Um, so you've got a lot that has to be offset. If you're if you're taking a very kind of uh, you know financial look at this, you're looking at this just from is it worth the money? Then you need to earn a relatively big greenium in RMBs to to get paid for what you all the extra work you have to do.
0: Right. And what would need to happen for Greenium to emerge?
1: Well, so dedicated green securitization funds could be a big thing. Um, But that would mean, you know, people need to be able to go out and raise money and say, look, here's what I'm going to buy. And at the moment, there's not enough issuance to do that, you know, there's probably a total of about six or seven shelves maybe doing this stuff. so. As one syndicate banker said, it's a bit chicken and egg. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think we did discuss on another podcast, the one where I was talking about the kind of EIB's influence in um, CESRT, uh, about the challenges of kickstarting a market and kind of what you need to do. Um, and, you know, there were a few different ideas for that one person said, you know, if if One thing that could help a Greenium is if there was a better capital treatment or better liquidity treatment for these deals. And that kind of makes sense because you have better disclosure. And then the other thing that a lot of people said is physical climate risk. You know, the argument there is that if your mortgage is, I don't know, an EPCA, then you have lower energy costs, so you're better credit quality. So, I mean, and then there are lenders that give you a slightly cheaper mortgage if you have a a high EPC, and, you know, that, that, those kind of products exist in lots of countries, notably in the Netherlands, which is where a lot of the green RMBs has come from so far. Um, and then the other things that that could kind of help a, a green MMO or help on the issuance side is there's going to be more green collateral just over time. That's what's happening and there's better data, you know, people are realizing the importance of having all this data um also there's there's regulatory clarity so IMG told me they'd, they'd even considered waiting on their deal till they had more certainty about kind of what would count as green and the green bond framework and so forth but in the end just thought they'd press ahead and so that I, I understand is finalized in December next year at which point issuance could pick up once there's a template on how to do it And then the other thing they said which could encourage issuers is the fact that, you know, in busy markets, ESG deals do currently still stand out. Like I think in in the September window, we had Green Lion got a very big book, upsized, I think. Um, And that clearly stood out amongst like many, many other deals at a time when syndicate bankers and issuers were all kind of complaining to me, like, oh, look how long we have to wait. Like, what are these investors doing? Um, Yeah, so I think in that way, uh, people may see the advantage of doing ESG issuers, particularly if, as we expect, there'll be more busy windows next year.
0: Great, George. Thank you. That story, if you want to now read all the details, is called ESG securitization issuers committed and optimistic despite minimal greenium, and you can read it on Global Capital.
1: You can indeed. and Victoria, and how's the <laughs> how's this, the CLO market uh, going uh, before Christmas?
0: It's quite busy, um, actually. Whenever I call people, uh, they 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 seem to be wildly uh, covered in last minute tasks. Um,
1: there's, One syndicate there's... <laughs> banker told me this week that they were very very busy as well. So I think uh, you know we're all still, we're all still going strong.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We still have deals to write about. Um, I mean, it's it's lovely from a reporter's point of view. I was worried we would have another August where you're just (laughs) struggling every day for people to pick up the phone and give you stories. Um, But yeah, so really CLO reporters paradise. um, There's even one deal that hasn't priced yet. Um, It might have once this recording is published, but ICG is still in the market with a clo that is said to be priced on friday um and onyx priced it's reset um on thursday achieved the tightest AAA since partners group um on in early november with 170 base points spreads have come in quite a bit across the capital stack there's still a lot of capital uh, sorry there's still a lot of secondary trading going on um there's there's a similar picture in the US. I looked at some data this week. Um, so yeah, there's there's quite a bit of optimism right now.
1: Oh well, uh, that's certainly good news. What does it mean for January? Is is all the January business getting done then in, in December?
0: No, probably not. Um, <laughs> the, there's still a busy pipeline, and a bunch of people co- apparently consider doing a deal in December and then postponing to January because if you if you do it now. You have to rush a little bit um, in ramping up your loan portfolio because you're losing those this week or two after Christmas. Um, so that makes things a little trickier. Um, so some people like uh, Blue Bay was was mentioned a lot might come quite early in January. Um, and people do expect spreads to tighten a little further. Although then we run into the problem that we had in sort of October time September October this year where then people rush to the market and spreads might be pushed wider again um, just because of of this slight oversupply while our investor base is still growing rather slowly Um, but yeah so so the few that came in December might have gotten ahead of a crowd but yeah it looks it looks like it looks like there is quite a glass half full mood in the market people had a better than expected year in 2023 investors made decent returns and there seems to be more interest from different investors in the market some clo managers told me that they were surprised by how many u.s investors wanted to talk to them at the opal conference in california earlier this month so we have to see if all of that materializes but it seems that people are going into the next year with
1: quite a good feeling that's interesting i think i heard similar about um SRT the some of the gen, the December deals, you know, historically people would always rush for the end of December to get all their issuance done in a in the year, you know, get their clean up their books before the next year. But it seems like a few of those deals are kind of going on into January now and that there's kind of more of a year round you know, obviously it's slightly different um, but there's more of a year round feel to that. Whereas I don't know about ABS I think the the September rush was kind of all the deals, and yet it's still a busy January. There's no uh, no sense of postponements there. <laughs>
0: um, nice, something to look forward to for all of us when we come back from our Christmas breaks and this is all we got time for today thanks to everybody who listened to this podcast and gave feedback in the past few months we really appreciate it and if inspiration strikes you between two mince pies in the coming weeks and you would like to talk to a few securitization journalists we're um, always just an email away all our email addresses work the same it's Tila at globalcapital.com george.smith and tom.lemon and we hope you have a great christmas and we can't wait to see you again next year goodbye